Today's reading is from John chapter 15, verse 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Good morning, everyone. Pastor Sharon with you. Before I begin the sermon today, I just want to share a word about things that have happened this past week. You know, we've all heard news about another act of violence within the Asian community. And whatever the reasons behind these horrible acts, we recognize that, especially during this season of COVID-19, there have been increasing acts of violence and harassment against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. Just this past week, in fact, two Asian American churches in Seattle found racist graffiti on their property. And as followers of Jesus, we denounce any attack against people that God loves. We recognize those in our own faith community who have faced some of these same harassments, some of these same evil things coming towards them. And we stand in solidarity with our Asian American, our Pacific Islander brothers and sisters. We grieve with them and we will not allow this to go forward. So I invite you to pray with me around this issue of justice in, in our community and in our church. Let's pray together. Lord, we take a stand and grieve against all acts of violence against people based on their ethnicity, their abilities, their sexuality. We recognize, God, that you love and care for all people. And so we stand now in solidarity, especially with our Asian American brothers and sisters. Show us ways that we can continue to speak out against violence, that we can continue to raise up the way of Jesus, which is to love and honor all people that God has made. We pray for safety and protection for those who feel vulnerable at this time. And we ask that as we walk together into more in places of more justice, that you would show your church how to no longer be silent, but to speak up for the good of all. This is our heart's desire, Lord. So lead us in it, we pray. Amen. So today, we come back into our sermon series on I Am. We've been in this series during Lent, talking about the statements of Jesus out of the Gospel of John. Seven statements that where Jesus, uh, where John points to pictures of who Jesus is by using Jesus' own words, saying, 
I'm divine and I invite you into relationship with me. That's what the I am statements are all about. During Lent, we've encouraged you to use your sketchbooks to see what the Holy Spirit might stir, either with word or image. And if you've done some of that, I would love to see some of the things the Spirit has prompted in you. Um, If you have a sketch in that book that was provided, something that you'd like to share with others, would you just uh, scan it, email it to me? Be great to share it with the community. It's a way of celebrating what the Spirit is doing through the Word in our midst. And so today we come to this statement, I am of Jesus, I am the true vine. You can see in this picture that one artist has rendered the image in this way. You see there's Christ at the center, and he's holding the word, and he's providing life to all. His hands are outstretched in blessing. And if you could look closely at the details of this painting, you might see the marks of nails in his feet. You can see the disciples sitting on these different branches, each one holding out their hands as if to receive even more. And some are holding what appear to be smaller copies of a book or of the word. Others are holding a scroll, a cross, a scepter, images that suggest ongoing results because they are connected with Jesus at the center of the vine. That's the image we have today out of the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. So if you do have your Bibles, either in digital or print form, I encourage you to open them. It is a good habit for us to have the Word in front of us, to not just hear my words, but for you to go back to the original source, to check it out and be sure that we're handling God's Word correctly. And today in this rich, rich picture of who Jesus is, the I am words come at a very poignant time in Jesus' interactions with his disciples. You see, this is part of a long discourse in John, chapters 13 through 17, where Jesus is with his disciples, and the time has come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. And he has met with his disciples around meal. There's been um, words of his betrayal being predicted and feet washed. And it's in this place where Jesus speaks. A poignant scene. It reminded me this week of another poignant thing that happened in our own lives. Dear friend of ours, John, died suddenly a year and a half ago. And his, his widow, Beth, my very, very good friend, um, had an idea this Christmas to gather some of his values, the things that were important to him. And he asked many of John's friends, she asked John's friends to write something so that she could put it together in a book for her daughters. You see, she wanted them to hear words about what was, what John valued, what our friend John valued, why, what he lived his life for, what was important to him in continuing his legacy. I thought of that book as I looked at these words from the Apostle John, who was in that room as Jesus spoke and who gathered these words together, the most significant words that shaped this community into the future, the words Jesus spoke before he went to his death and resurrection. 
And that's what we see here in Jesus saying, I am the true vine. Something vitally important for his community to know before he departed. Now, this is another one of these common agricultural pictures, metaphors that John uses. Once again, something common that people understood that pointed to something holy and profound. But the image of the vine also has connections to Old Testament pictures. In fact, throughout the scriptures, we see an indication that Israel, God's people, were referred to as a vine. And so when we hear Jesus say, I am the true vine, it makes us ask, true compared to what? You see, the vine had represented these people of Israel that were planted from selected stock who had been cared for by the Lord and who should have produced fruits of justice. But in most of the writings in the Old Testament, we see that the prophets refer to Israel's vine as one that's gone wild that's not providing or producing the kind of goodness God intended for them. Hear this um, verse from Isaiah 5, 7. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. And then even more explicitly in Jeremiah 2.21, God says, I had planted you, Israel, like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? You know, Israel, even with the prophets um, chiding, could never fully reveal God's character to other nations. They were vine, but Jesus is saying now, I am true vine. If you want to see the character and purposes of God, you look to me because I am the source of life. Now we know that in the Palestinian landscape, vineyards were a common sight. They abounded there. Fruitful vines, um, bountiful harvests of grape, overflowing wine. These are all symbols in the scripture and in their everyday life of what it meant to live in shalom, to live in wholeness. But we also know from those who tend grapevines that they these plants need a lot of attention. There needs to be careful preparation of the soil and grooming and pruning of all the branches. It was interesting for me to learn this week that vines are in their early stages are not allowed to produce fruit for the first three years. It's so that the plant can conserve energy for future fruitfulness. And it struck me, maybe just coincidence, but that Jesus had walked with his disciples for three years. He had given them the word. He had pruned them along the way. And now this image has greater significance as he talks about how they are called to be even more fruitful. He had said it this way in verse 3 of this passage, you are already clean, or that term could also be translated pruned, because of the word I have spoken to you. As Jesus had walked with his disciples and had taught them, their hearts had been pruned. They had been aligned with the way of Jesus. And now as he's preparing to depart from the earth, 
they are again being pruned, prepared to bear fruit. And he says, remember, I am the source of this life as you go out into the world to bear fruit. Vines, branches, fruit, it's all a rich metaphor. And we see in this passage that Jesus says, my father is the gardener. God is the one who intends for this fruitfulness to come forth. And Jesus says, I'm the vine, and then you are the branches. It's all about relationship, Jesus' relationship to the Father, the Jesus' relationship to us. And it's all centered in love, the desire of God to know him fully in love. If Jesus is the vine and the Father is the vine grower, he is not... He's not chiding his disciples in this, like, you need to remain in me. He's encouraging them. He is reminding them that they can continue on in their life in God, in their life in the kingdom when he's gone, by remaining in him and remaining in his word. You know, it is a picture of flourishing or not flourishing in here, right? We see that there are some branches that do bear fruit and some that don't. And the, the decision or the reality of whether they're going to bear fruit, it depends on one thing. And it's a word that's repeated eight times just in this section. It's the word remain, often also translated abide. Remain, remain in me, he says. It sounds like somewhat a passive, even understated term And how could this be a pivotal part of this passage? Well, the term remain in in Greek has several layers of meaning, some that refer to place. It means to tarry, to not to depart, to continue to be present. To remain is to continually be held and kept in a space. It also has a reference to time, to remain, to continue to be in a space, not to perish, to last, to endure over time. And it also refers to condition, to remain in the condition you're already in, to remain as one, not to become something else or something different. So I think all of those meanings of the term remain abide are what Jesus is referring to. It's a connection term. It's a relational term. And the astounding truth in this is that Jesus says this is a mutual abiding, a mutual relationship. Verse 4 says it this way, Remain in me as I also remain in you. Again in verse 5, If you remain in me and I remain in you, What a gift this is, that we're not just invited into remaining in Christ, but he has said, I'm committed to remaining in you. Now we have to remember that this word, the word you in these verses, is always a plural you. I think too often we take a very individualistic view of our faith as if it was just Jesus and me, and that's what's needed. But in this passage, and really throughout much of scripture, this is a communal thing. We together are his branches. And while we can take some individual application of what it means for each of us personally 
to remain in Jesus. He is saying, this is the way of the community of my followers. This is the calling, the place of the church. And to remain in him means we just stay connected. We stay attached. We stay close in contact with him. And he remains in us. So his life force, his love, is what impacts all we do, who we are, and how we act. We know that it's simply foolish to think that a branch could produce any fruit, any life, without being connected to the vine. Now, you may not see a lot of vineyards in our area, although they are around here, but we are pretty familiar with blackberry vines, aren't we? Growing wild in so many places, we try to get rid of them, but even a black blackberry branch only stays vital, produces fruit when it's connected to its life source. My husband, L.A., cut one of these branches the other day out of a blackberry vine in our neighborhood. And this was just yesterday, and you can see already it's shriveled. It's useless. There will be no fruit produced on this branch. You know, this is a word of both encouragement and caution for Jesus' disciples as well. He says it this way. If you read it in verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch, a branch that's just thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. That's an unfruitful branch. Where an unfruitful branch, even though it might be alive for a time, it diverts nutrients from those who are fruitful. And it's an extra burden on the vine. And those, ver- those verbs there in verse 6 remind us there's a progression for the one who doesn't remain in Jesus. Thrown away, withered, picked up, thrown into the fire, burned because there is a uselessness in a branch that is not connected to the vine. But the overarching picture throughout this whole passage, when Jesus says, I am the true vine, is that he has a picture of how we are to bear fruit. He is pointing out the fruitfulness of being his disciples. We, we know that. We know that... There's no way a plant can bear fruit unless it's connected in the vine. This bearing fruit calling has everything to do with this relationship. And so we receive these words of remain in me and bear much fruit as invitation and as promise. Jesus is saying, I'm the true vine. My father, the gardener, has cultivated this vine. It's been cared for through diligent work by the farmer. And the act of tending to the branches is an act of love, a deep love. It's ongoing, tender attention, and sometimes not so tender attention when branches need to be pruned. But as Jesus says, I am the vine, he is imagining and promising this dynamic relationship, changing relationship, ongoing relationship with his discipleship community. He's reminding us, you will bear fruit 
This is not a command, go out and bear fruit. It's a reminder, a recognition that when we're connected to Jesus, when we allow Jesus to prune our lives as a community and as people, we will bear fruit. We will bear fruit. We're centered on Jesus, but he's calling us to be up and doing the things he he has been doing in the world that will bear fruit. So if the purpose of bearing fruit is the goal and the means for bearing fruit is remaining, what does this look like for us as a church? What might we hear in this invitation to remain? Well, first of all, we remember that abiding, remaining in Christ means reliance. It means we cannot go it alone. You know, in our culture, we tend to honor individualism, those who make it on their own, rather than dependency. But that is not the case in the Christian life. We are eager We are honest about our dependence on Christ, and Jesus is making that clear. You and I are only able to have a fruitful life in our service to him if we remain connected, dependent. That's true for us as a church, too. There is nothing we can do apart from our deep and abiding connection to Jesus Christ. And I don't know what that means for us Specifically, but I do know it's a call for us as his community to prioritize prayer, time with Jesus, discipleship, because that is the source of our mission. That's the source that will allow us to evangelize and make a difference in justice and love in our communities. And just in a very practical way, if you are not connected in a life group or a place of prayer in this community, I encourage you to seek that out. Because it's one way to remain, to abide in Christ together, to demonstrate your reliance, our reliance on him. So abiding in Christ means reliance, but it also means we can expect fruit. This is, there's no specific definition in here where Jesus says, and the fruit will be, but he has got this beautiful picture as he talks to his disciples, as they're getting ready to learn to live life without his presence, that he says, you will bear fruit in your lives, even as I have in mine. Could be good character, but also outward action, inner transformation, that happens as Christ dwells in us, that works its way out in acts of love and justice. In the Evangelical Covenant Church, we use this phrase, we go deeper in Christ and further in mission. All of that is evidence of a fruitful life that is because we're connected to Jesus the vine. And I want us to look for that in our church as well that we would be able to respond to the call God has for us, and we would see wonderful fruit coming because we've remained connected to Jesus Christ. And that's the last thing that abiding or remaining means for us. It means change. Jesus says in this passage, 
the gardener is going to prune those branches, even those that bear fruit, so that they can bear more fruit. It's a picture of continual change, adjusting to new realities so that more good work could go forth. We are called to this ongoing, adaptive reliance on Jesus Christ, the true vine. We're called to expect new things to be produced through our community as we see Jesus at work. Now, that isn't always easy. I know for us as a church community, it may mean reviewing the ways we've done church in the past and discovering if there are things God needs to prune so that the Spirit could move us forward in fresh ways of being his church. But we can be confident. We are confident that the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, will receive glory as we lean into this way of being, as we get our nourishment from the vine. Jesus says it this way in verse 8. This, this fruit-bearing, is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's one of the marks of discipleship, is bearing fruit. And Jesus' purpose and longing for those first disciples that sat at table with him and for us is that we continue in this relationship of mutual abiding, of mutual remaining, so that we would bear much fruit and show ourselves to be his disciples. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. May we continue to remain in him so that fruit might abound. Let's pray together. Lord, we give you thanks for this reminder of who you are, this fresh picture with so many layers of what it means to be in relationship with you. You, Lord, are our true vine. We thank you for the source of life and love we receive because you abide in us and we abide and remain in you. Do your work in your church, Lord, that new fruit might come forth, that others would see the goodness and glory of God and that we would be marked as your followers in every way. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.